Discover raw, inspiring stories from runners who've been right where you are. This is the Choose to Endure Ultra Running Podcast with your host, he's English, not Australian, Richard Gleave. Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining me. This is the Choose to Endure Podcast dedicated to the back of the pack ultra runners who are redefining possible one epic mile at a time. Well, I am still here waiting on a couple of guests to join the show, uh, as I promised previously. But in the meantime, I figured I would take you through my own experience as it relates to the first 50k ultra race I ever ran, because it was a bit of a doozy and it really opened my eyes. So in, in many respects, I made all the mistakes that you shouldn't make during an ultra running race, but also it was one of the m most memorable experiences that I've had to this day. And I've run some, some, you know, pretty decent races at this point, but still that first race for me, especially the end of it makes the hairs on the back of my uh, neck stand up on end when I think about where I was and what happened at that. So we'll get to that in a bit, but I wanted to take you through uh, sort of front to back my experience and and you know maybe you can relate to that maybe you can find some value in there so from an inspiration perspective uh, i'm not really sure what i was doing trying to run an ultra race uh, uh this 50k i'd run a couple of marathons and so prior to that i was kind of overweight like most folks getting into middle age decided that i need to do something about it went out and joined a local running group. I ran my first marathon here, the Chevron Houston Marathon in January of 2016. And then I trained through that summer again and ran my second Houston Marathon in January of 2017. And at some point after that, I was sitting in uh, a Starbucks having a conversation with some of the other runners from the local Kingwood uh, Marathon training running group. And the idea of an ultra marathon came up. So I went and looked on the on the internet and I found one in September of that year called the Lighthouse Hill Ranch 50K. Uh, so this this was a race that was out just west of Austin, between Austin and Fredericksburg, right off 290 there, if you are any kind of familiar with that area. But it's a it's a beautiful area. It's just you're just getting close to all the wineries, the olive groves, the peaches out there. It's it's really awesome. I don't know what I was doing trying to pick a 50k race, a first 50k race in September uh, in Texas, because it's still really hot here, crazy hot. But I decided I was going to do that race because I'd already trained to do the marathons and I wanted to continue to use that. I I found stopping training and then starting training again was really tough. I was like so stiff, so sore when I was trying to restart training. I, I figured, you know what, I'm just going to train through and I wanted a reason to train through, I think. So um, we were chatting about that in the coffee shop after a run one morning and the the 50k came up as as it does with a lot of conversations it's just oh, it's just five miles further than a marathon and i'm already trained for a marathon and i've done two marathons so i know i can do that distance so i should be able to do a 50k and it's in a beautiful place it's in a beautiful part of texas um 
So uh, once I'd looked it up, I discovered it was really close to two breweries, Jester King Brewery and I think it was Twisted X. It still probably is Twisted X Brewery, but they're really close to lo- the location for this race. So I thought, I'm going to make a weekend of it here. I'm going to go do some, you know, do a brewery and uh, beforehand and then do another one afterwards make a whole weekend of it. So yeah, I can't say it was anything really emotional or groundbreaking from an inspirational standpoint for that first race. It was really more an excuse to go out and utilize the training I'd already done. Also an excuse to go and try a new brewery. I hadn't been to either Jester King or Twisted X. And spoiler, they're great, by the way. If you ever get a chance to head out that way, those are some excellent breweries to taste uh, to try out, particularly Jester King, because it has like a brick pizza oven on site. So you can get these homemade pizzas, which were phenomenal right on site and then go across the way and, and grab some beer to go with it. So anyway, highly recommend Jester King if you're ever out that way. So yeah, so I hadn't really done anything like that. I'd only done a couple of marathons before. From a training perspective, having decided to do this, I, I, I really, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, to be honest. I had trained for the marathon on the streets around my neighborhood. And I continued to do that because I didn't really know any different. So I just thought, well, I'm I'm going to a ranch. It'll be fine. They'll have roads there. Uh, So I continued to train on the roads, the streets around my neighborhood. And so that's what I did. And I I did my standard marathon training, uh, you know, ramped up from wherever I recovered from the marathon, then ramped back up and trained through the summer on on the roads around around me, around where I live and, and in the neighborhood. Um, I didn't really have any any thoughts at that point of the additional five miles. I just I basically considered it a marathon and and that was it. I didn't really have a concept of any anything beyond that. So I, w- I was really pretty confident going into this race. I had uh, uh, you know very little in the way of of nerves going in. I done the two marathons previously i was fairly fairly comfortable that i could finish the distance i'm not super fast my marathon times are not fast but i can get through and and so i didn't really have any challenges other than the heat so i had you know uh, here in texas it is very hot and so training for this race the race being in september i was training through you know june july august in houston which is really challenging from a training perspective anyway. So other than that, though, I I really I didn't have any additional trainings. I was trying to avoid the main heat of the day. So I would go out and train early in the morning or very late at night and I would hit the humidity, but I would avoid avoid the sun for the most part. And that worked well. I mean, my training went well. It it it, uh, it felt pretty good and I felt ready by the time I I went out there. So, yeah, I I, I was feeling pretty good mentally i think yeah i mean i i hadn't really i hadn't really considered how this race might go i i i literally considered it an extension of a marathon and i've done a marathon so i i'm perfectly fine with this i know i can do it i'm going to show up on the day i'm going to jog around my normal jog and and uh you know if i need to i'll walk towards the end and i'll get across the finish line and I will then pack up and go have a beer at Twisted X afterwards. And that was it. That that was the extent of my mental training. It was very light. There wasn't really any uh, any preparation other than that mentally. 
from a nutrition and hydration standpoint, I did realize I was going further than the marathon. So I did buy myself a a hydration vest. I think it was an orange mud hydration vest at that point. And I had decided that every Sunday I would train with this vest on so that I could get used to running with it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure from an aid station perspective what was going to be there or not be there. So I stuffed this vest with absolutely everything I could find. Basically, I I ran self-supported throughout my training. And so I ran probably uh, every Sunday 15, 20 miles or so through the heat of Houston self-supported with all this stuff stuffed in uh, in my orange mud pack, which, by the way, I'd never used orange mud after that. So I've never used I used it in this one race and I ditched it quickly afterwards and never used it again. But what I was doing was running around in laps. So because I so this race, this 50k, it was three 10 mile laps, so 10, 20, 30 miles leading to the 50k. So you run this 10k loop three times. So I knew I was coming back to the, there was one other aid station midway through, but I knew I was coming back to the start finish area at least three times or two times during the race and and once at the end. So that's kind of how I trained to some degree, except I was doing five mile loops around my neighborhood. So I put in enough, enough like food and, and water to get myself around five miles and back, not really considering that 10 miles is a lot farther in the middle of the day than five miles was in a morning or at night in the dark. So uh, from a hydration perspective, I believe I had Gatorade back then. So this is back in 2017. I, I, I had Gatorade because that's what I was drinking when I did the marathon. So I would fill up with, I forget which one, one of the Gatorades, I suppose. And from a nutrition perspective, I was doing mostly gels, as many gels as I could get. And then I ended up supplementing with like a snack bar of some sort. So fast forward to race day. And uh, so I've got my my friend Brian and I, we went out. He's a big beer guy, so he was interested in hitting up the breweries. So we drove out together, rented this really... <laughs> really low-end motel somewhere near the just uh sorry somewhere near the twisted x brewery because i wanted to go back there once the race was done change shower and then get out to the brewery pretty quickly so i could go taste some of their excellent beer so we strategically grabbed the uh it wasn't even a hotel the motel closest to the brewery which turned out to be this really kind of low-end motel it really wasn't it wasn't super great but we did we got out there we drove out there and we went to Jester King and we had a we had a beer or two uh, the evening before and had a great pizza uh, and then and then we went to bed and I got up the next day I think the race started at 7 a.m so I drove over there with Brian he was going to be my crew so to speak he just kind of hung out at the start line drinking beer and waited for me to come around like he didn't know what he was doing he didn't really know that he was crew he was just kind of hanging out for the day before we went to beer later so so we get there I pin my badge on my shorts because that's what trail runners do I had read so I instead of pinning it uh, in a marathon where everyone's got their bib on their like on their chest somewhere I was like no I'm going to be a really cool I'm a trail runner now so I'm going to pin it on my shorts cuz clearly that's what that's what distinguishes 
a uh, trail runner from from a road runner the where the location of your bib and yeah so the the gun it was dark at the start we made our way there dropped our bag brian put a chair out i had my bottles full of gatorade i uh, i applied some sunscreen which was a good which was a good thought because it was so the temperature at that point was like high 70s i would say but it was supposed to go pretty high that afternoon so so yeah I'd, i had put some sunscreen on ready to roll so start line comes around it's still dark at this point i'd forgotten a headlight so i didn't have a headlight so i was running with like i was running with somebody who had a head like a head torch at that moment and it didn't take long for the sun to come up fortunately from a vision perspective but yeah that was a you know Point number one for me was, hey, don't forget a head torch. If you're going to start when it's dark, you, you need some way to actually see where the heck you're going. And so I very quickly realized within the first half a mile that this was going to be quite different. I was on trail. It was rocky. It was the, the first, I think, my, two miles of that race is pretty much straight up a hill. And immediately I was like, oh, heck, what is this? I didn't really train for hill. So, yeah, so I'm trying to run up this hill because everybody else was running. And on that first loop, we hit we hit rocky trail. We hit a rocky Jeep road. I think we hit some dirt trail. There was loads of ups and downs. And I realized it was a completely exposed trail and the sun was coming up and it was already starting to get hot. Now I did have a uh, I can't I wouldn't call it a hat I had a so for marathons I had been running in a visor to keep the sun out of my face so I had my my the same visor I would wear for my marathons I had that on but obviously it was exposed right on the top so very quickly I felt the top of my head getting quite warm and much to my chagrin I I saw a lot of people running off pretty quickly and going uphill and there was only like 20, I think 25 of us maybe in, in that first race doing the 50K. But I, you know, there was a couple around me, but a lot more had run off ahead of me. And I, you know, I thought I was reasonably quick, reasonably good at running as I run around the neighborhood. Quickly discovered, yeah, I'm definitely more back of the pack. And so I started chatting to the guy next to me who told me he was doing this race as a training race. For another fifty mile, he had coming up in the Dallas area, and I was like, "Get out! How are you, how on I, how on earth are you doing a fifty k as a training race for another race?" I just couldn't, I couldn't quite wrap my head around around that concept at the time. Uh, and then, so we chatted for a little bit, and and then he quickly ran off, ran off, and kind of left me. And so, yeah, and I had put on my watch. I had a, a Garmin. 235 I think at the time but I had set alerts much like I would have done during the marathon I had set alerts for a run walk strategy so I would run five minutes walk one minute well that went completely out of the window right at right at the get-go as I was trying to run up the first two miles worth of hills Um, and so I tried to catch back up on that strategy throughout the whole first loop and then realized after that this was a really stupid strategy because it had me running up hills, walking down hills, and it was getting really hot. So I decided to ditch running when it told me to run and walking when it told me to walk and just kind of do what felt a bit more natural, like run the downhill because that felt kind of good and walk more of the uphills because I 
were struggling to run them at this point anyway, uh, about two-thirds into the first loop. So, yeah, but what I hadn't realized was that I couldn't turn that off. And so every five minutes and then every one minute after that, for the remainder of the day, my damn watch beeped and vibrated at me. And I'm sure if anybody was around me, they were really aggravated at that. And I know it really aggravated me. So, you know, point there every time after that, I've given up on the alerts and because it really annoyed the hell out of me, to be honest. Oh, and the other thing, yeah, right out of the gate, I had um, I brought some salt pills, but I put them in a bottle and <laughs> trying to fit them in the orange mud pack space that I had. And so I, as I left on that first mile going uphill close to everybody the pills in the bottle were shaking constantly and making a rattling noise and it like within the first quarter mile it was driving me nuts and i assume it was driving everybody around me nuts too so i had to i made the executive decision to go ahead and for some reason ditch the salt pills so i chucked them all i just let them out of this bottle because i didn't quite know what else to do with them at the time uh, believe it or not. So yeah, I, I dropped all my salt pills. I didn't wait till I got back. I didn't come back and hand them to Brian, who was sitting at the start finish line after the fit. No, I was embarrassed about the shaking and the noise it was creating. So I literally dropped them all. Uh, well, I handed a couple to people around me and put some in my pocket and dropped the rest, um, just to stop the rattling, which was driving me absolutely nuts. So yeah, great decision from me there. So anyway, so I ran the first loop and that wasn't too bad. I was okay on the first loop as the sun was coming up. It, I got around in a pretty decent time. Um, and then the second loop started and I'd begun walking up the hills. By the way, I never really experienced a an ultra aid station either. So coming from a marathon where you get water and a couple of gels at best, I rolled up to the start finish area which I couldn't, I couldn't actually see because it was dark when we set off. But when I got around at the end of the first loop, the light had started to come up. It wasn't super hot yet, but it was definitely light. And I could suddenly see that, I mean, there was like sandwiches, there were chips, there were, I don't know, Pringles and M&Ms and all kinds of stuff on the uh, jelly, um, what do you call them, uh, gummy bears, yeah, uh, all over the table a whole bunch of other stuff too and i was like what the hell is it this is awesome absolutely loving it so i'm i'm you know feasting on that and i took oh, way too long on this race at this aid station just kind of chilling out thinking oh yeah i'm i'm a third done with this and maybe it took me two hours to get around the 10 miles on that first loop if i recall or something like that uh pretty slow but yeah, I, I was loving the aid stations. Uh, I, my eyes were wide open after that. Like, this is the way to run when they feed you every few miles here with this awesome smorgasbord of, of really kick-ass foods. So, yeah, so I uh, started off on my second loop, and that's when the sun really came out. And before I left, I had meant to put on more sunscreen, and I didn't. And so about a third of the way into the second loop, I really started to get hot, 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 hot. And yeah, that's where it all started to fall apart from me. And over the remainder of that second loop, I got hotter and hotter. The root, root was very exposed, so there wasn't really any shade. I, at this point, I had pretty much 
I wouldn't say stopped, but I was very reticent to run and make myself any hotter by running when I was already getting really, really hot out on this exposed Jeep trail. And I, and I had, you know, I had, when you run marathons, you wear like a singlet, right? You're like cut off things. So I was starting to feel a bit of sunburn on my shoulders and my face, my nose, uh, my knees for some reason. Yeah, I remember my knees starting to hurt somewhat, and so I'm looking now. I'm looking. I realize I've. I need to. I, I'm losing hydration as well, so uh, I wasn't hydrating properly. I wasn't taking on enough water, and I'm starting to get sunburned. So I think I finished that second loop in pretty rough shape, and I sat down with Brian, and I kind of said, "I'm not sure if. I'm not sure if I want to go out and do another loop. I uh, feel burnt. I don't feel great." a little nauseous, a little dizzy. And he's like, well, you came here to do, you came here to do a 50K. You should go around and you can walk it if you want. And and then we'll go for a beer. So I was like, okay. So I once again failed to put on sunscreen and off I went on loop three. And I pretty much walked that whole 10 miles. I was very slow. I got more and more sunburned. I got more and more dehydrated. I didn't have any salt. I don't know why I didn't take salt at the aid, aid station looking back. Like, why did I not do that? I sat at one aid station, the halfway aid station on the loop for probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But yeah, I just, I was not having a great time feeling ill, start of heat stroke. And so uh, really questioning my decision to be out there at this point. Like, what what on earth am I doing here? What did I get myself into? This is absolutely nothing like a marathon. And by the way, the Houston marathons are in January. So my only experience of doing these kind of distances in relatively cool slash cold January temperatures. Here I am, you know, three quarters of the way now into a 50K in September in central texas which is at this point probably high 90s and battering down with sun with nowhere to go uh, to get around it out on a jeep trail with stone and rock that's just bouncing that heat right up at me so yeah i was really feeling it at this point trudged on very slow. I'm right towards the back of the pack. The time for each loop, my first loop, I think I said was two hours. The second loop was probably two and a half. But the third loop that I was doing, it probably took me four hours (laughs) to do a 10 mile loop, which is ridiculous. But that's how slow I was going. And obviously, the longer I was out there, the more I was getting sunburnt and and crispy, you know, um, the top of my head hurt. I have a little bald patch on the top of my head that got absolutely fried. So yeah, I was not having fun at all. I was utterly miserable, sunburned, very upset with myself, upset that I couldn't run like I thought I should be able to just upset with the day, with the heat. And I had, for some reason, I chose to grab some M&Ms and I put them in a pack like the peanut M&Ms. I put them in my pack. I had two two of those big yellow packs of them. Put them in my orange mud sort of vest and 
figured I would just eat those as I was going around because that would be kind of cool. And so I did that. And these these M&Ms, the chocolate in them just melted so much that it started dribbling down down the pack. So when I actually went to eat these things, I had chocolate all over my hands. I didn't know what, what to do. I mean, it was a proper mess. And still people were running by me, and I was just really angry that they were able to run, and I was not uh, due to my bad decisions. And maybe they were just better than me. Uh, you know, Either way, I was really upset. And I think I got, looking back, I was probably a mile to a mile and a half from the finish and utterly looking forward to getting out of the sun and I just had enough. I, I, there was a ledge, kind of some steps coming down the trail at this point, and I stopped and I just I sat down. <laughs> it's the only time I've I've done that in the middle of the race, actually on the trail purposely. I just I, I just had enough. I reached the I reached the end for that day for me, and I, it was about a mile off the actual finish. I sat down and was feeling very sorry for myself. And maybe two or three minutes later, I'm not sure, a lady ran by me who I now know is a lady by the name of, I think, Meredith Terranova and her husband, Paul Terranova, quite well known. Uh, they were running the race. I think Paul had obviously finished uh, at this point way ahead of me. Meredith ran up to me and stopped and said, oh, did you finish already? Are you coming back out here to, to check on somebody? And I, I was like, no, uh, no, I, I haven't finished. I'm, I'm just, I've had enough. I'm just, I, I'm done for this day. And, and so she said, well, if you haven't finished, why are you sitting down here? I said, I'm, I'm done. And she said, no, no, you're not. Get up and walk. It's only a, you're only about a mile, a mile and a half from the finish. All you have to do is walk it in. Uh, and then you're done. Sitting here, you're not done. So I was like, oh, who is this lady giving me aggro on the trail, you know? Like, why are you yelling at me to get up and move? So not wishing, you know, having gotten yelled at, not wishing to get yelled at more, I stood up and began walking, and she ran off ahead of me uh, into the distance. And I thought nothing more of it really. I was like, Oh, there's another person running by me. I'm probably last now. So I'm just going to carry on walking to the finish. And so that's what I did. And the finish of the race is sort of like an S bend. You kind of curve left, go down, a down a short sort of 15 foot slope and then bend right and run in about a hundred yards to the finish line. So you can't actually see the finish line when you're pretty close to it. So as I approached the finish line, I made that first left and came down the slope. And then you can see everything off to your right. You can see the finish line itself. And uh, so as I came down the slope, I was slowly jogging down the slope because it was a downhill. I noticed that the lady that was just talking to me had run on ahead and she had grabbed everybody at the finish line. And uh, because I had told her this, I had also told her that this was my first ultra, first 50K. So she had run to the finish line, grabbed everybody that was there, people who were finished, uh, parts of the crew, the the race uh, team, really anybody that was there, it seemed. And she had got them, she, she'd got them lined up at the finishing chute 
clapping, cheering, waving just for me. There was nobody behind me, nobody else coming in. And and um, so as I came down that hill, they all kind of broke out in a cheer and a clap and sort of encouraging me to to kind of get get the final hundred yards into the finish. And it was just the state I was in at the time coming down that little drop, that 15-foot drop to make that little right hand bend to the finish. I just, uh, it made me cry then and it makes me cry thinking about it now because I was in such a rough state and for somebody to take the time to go and do that on my behalf, uh, to run to the finish and to purposely get these people lined up, the cheering, the clapping, the encouragement to get over the line, really was was an experience I will never forget. And um, it's still, like I said, it still chokes me up thinking about it, even even now. So, and that that's really, so I did finish. I, I, I went over the finish line and it took me hours and hours to finish that race. But I, I eventually got there burnt, dehydrated, swearing I would never do this again. But that experience was really what opened my eyes to, what the difference is with trail and ultra running to the road races, the the camaraderie between people and, you know, folks helping, helping each other to get to the end of that particular day or that particular journey was just, uh, looking back, it was just an incredible experience. And uh, I think part of me realized that, hey, you can, you can do these things and I kind of left that guy sitting there on the steps, you know, a mile from the finish. I left him there and I became somebody that wants to get to the finish and wants to encourage others to get to the finish. And I just think that's incredible. And and the, the community I found since with ultra running has been the exact same way. It, it's, it's all the same. It's all about getting each other and uh, to, to where we want to be and, and helping each other. So, yeah, I I felt pretty rough right after finishing that race. I don't think it exists anymore, but they did have a really nice kind of little, I don't even know what you call it, like a rock pool kind of waterfall thing on the ranch that you could go sit in. It was ice cold, so I got to at least cool down and stop the heat stroke. Um, we eventually went back to the CD motel and we went over to the Twisted X brewery, but I I don't know why, but when I get dehydrated, I lose kind of hearing. It's like I've gone underwater. So I, I struggled to hear and I lost taste in my mouth. So it wasn't a super pleasant experience, but Brian tells me the beers he had were awesome. Uh, so I assume they still are awesome. But yeah, just, but that really, that experience at the end there really opened my eyes to what ultra running is and what the community is. And I made all the mistakes in the book on that first one. I know that's a bit cliched, but I really did make every single mistake that you could make on that first race. But I realized even if you do that, you can still finish these things. You know, it it's really the mental side of it, the attitude that will get you over the line as much, if not more so, than than the physical side. So, you know, if you're listening to this and considering your first 50K, definitely a few things. Check the weather. Make sure you train appropriately for the weather. I trained at night on roads. This was a race that occurred during the day in the summer on trail. Big, you know, 
big mistake from me right there. Uh, check your hydration. I was okay with the Gatorade, but um, from a, you know, I didn't carry enough with me. So I needed to carry more hydration with me rather than the, the two little, the two little 16 ounce bottles that I had the day called for more than that as I was going around and I wasn't getting enough uh, hydration. So check, check your hydration, check your fluid levels, uh, have a better eating strategy. The gels were okay, but I got sick of those. And when they get hot, they get sticky and gooey and it's just nasty. And then I switched to chocolate M&Ms, which was another disastrous decision. Those went the same way. So yeah, definitely think about your your nutritional strategy. Like, what are you going to eat? What can you eat? And try all this stuff out in situ before you get to the race. Like, try and replicate the race as closely as you can somewhere near your location before you actually get to drive out there. But yeah, I mean, so that was my experience. I had a crap race. It was a crap race, but I learned so much and my eyes were open to the ultra community and the and the just the super friendly attitude that that folks go there so i guess i i hope hopefully you got some insight from that that's where i started this ultra journey and from there i decided okay if i can do 50 50k uh maybe there are other races that are a bit closer to me that i can run that are sort of later in the year from a houston perspective where it's not quite 90 to 100 degrees so I began looking around and I got into trail racing over Texas. I spent 2018 running just about every race they, they'd had at the time. Uh, so, yeah, but I loved it. And I found a group of people that were into the same thing that, that I was and experiencing the same thing. And I think, you know, people going through shared trauma like that, it really it really breaks you down and it, and it opens you up and you, you're honest and raw with each other in a way that you may not ever be with anybody else or you may not be with, with your significant other it's just these are people that are going through the same thing so that that shared trauma really does bond people together and that's why i think it's such a close-knit group uh you might call it a niche sport but it's growing really quick now but you know uh, just being around people like that and you have to be positive to finish these races that's something else i learned from this one like the mental attitude the positivity so it really it really sort of forces you to outthink yourself and become a more positive focused individual and i thought that was you know something worth investigating more so yeah i, I spent a long time after uh, the whole next year, kind of finding all the local trail races and running all of them and getting to know some of the people out on the trails and getting to know myself a little bit more through some failures. My first 50 mile was, I finished, but again, I had a really rough time past 35. And then I think a month later, I went and ran the fastest 50 mile ever over at Brazos Bend that I had run. So, you know, things can change and, and one race doesn't whether it's good or bad, doesn't necessarily re reflect what's going to happen on the next race. So, But anyway, I, I felt like I should share my first race experience and why I continued into the sport after that, despite the disaster that it was. It really, it really set the scene for me, and I have thoroughly enjoyed exploring myself, exploring other areas of the country. I since 
have started doing this back over in the UK as well. And there are certainly some differences that I hope to get into with one guest uh, with racing over there or racing anywhere internationally, really. But yeah, I, I maybe you got something of value from this. Maybe not. I don't know. But either way, this is me. And uh, I definitely appreciate you sticking around and listening to me ramble on a little bit. So I've been your host. My name's Richard Gleave. Trails don't end. They just lead to new horizons. So in, until next time, remember to run long and run strong and keep choosing to endure. Thanks for running with us at the Choose to Endure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Keep racking up the miles and the stories, and we'll catch you at the next trailhead. Until then, remember to run long, run strong. <laughs>